Welcome to the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. Hi, I'm David Manti, and welcome to the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. With me today is James Eves, Director of Indoor Agriculture at Volt Server. Thank you very much for joining me today, James. Thanks for the invitation, David. All right, before we get started, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You could also help us out a lot by leaving the podcast a positive review. Finally, if you want to reach the podcast, you can reach me at david at cannabisequipmentnews.com. So I'd like to get started because looking through a little bit of your past, you have quite the career in cannabis already. Sort of, I always like to start it off by asking, what brought you to the industry? Um, yeah, I had sort of a nonlinear path to get here. So I started as a researcher. Um, I was a university professor for about um, 15 years. I still am, but part-time now. Um, I started my career at UC Davis, where I got my PhD, and I was a visiting professor there. Then I moved around a lot. Um, but my research was always related to topics um, focusing on energy and growing indoors like different ways of improving the economics of growing and controlled environments. Um, so I was mostly focused on food and greenhouses mm-hmm. until about 2013 or 2014, where I wrote a, a paper actually with the founder of Volt Server. We wrote a paper together that compared the economics of growing indoors, like in a vertical farm versus growing in a greenhouse. And at the time, it was a no-brainer that people just assumed it would always be less expensive growing a greenhouse because, you know, you're benefiting from the, quote, free light of the sun um, or free photons from the sun. Um, but what we learned was that those photons aren't so free. You actually have to incur a lot of expenses in order to have a glass roof and manage that roof and manage the climate. And so when you count for all those things, um, it was actually cheaper, at least in kind of colder, darker areas like Canada, um, to grow lettuce in a vertical farm versus in a greenhouse. Um, and we published that in a leading uh, journal. Um, and, it, and it, you know, not surprisingly caused a lot of argument in the industry and ag industry. But at the same time, it kind of coincided with the legalization of cannabis in Canada. Um, and so the people who really kind of were kind of interested in that topic were cannabis growers. A lot of them were growing indoors and some were growing vertically and they were looking for kind of justification um, for that decision. Um, and so that kind of sucked me into the industry. But then after that, most of my researching and work and projects were related to cannabis. Um, and, uh, and then I had to really just lucky, but great chance of getting hired for, you know, first I did some work with them, research work with them. Then we, I was hired at a company called Green Seal Cannabis, mm-hmm. um, which at the time I had no idea how kind of sophisticated this company was because I didn't have really a good baseline. Um, but I really I just had this great opportunity to learn from some of, you know, the, the most like professional and, and thoughtful um, growers, I think, in the industry. And we worked on some other research together um, that was associated with light intensity. We actually did the largest light intent, like light intensity study associated with cannabis. Um, it was like, a you know, we basically built a small vertical farm to test all these different spectrums and light intensities. And we did publish the first paper that was really a comprehensive analysis of optimal light intensity for cannabis. And we came up with another surprising finding that cannabis requires a lot more light than uh, people assumed it did. Um, and so, you know, so that, you know, of course we actually did that. We partnered on that project with Volt Server also. Mm. Um, 
And so from at that point, I was just full in to cannabis and about I worked at Greensill for a few years. And then um, I switched over to Volt Server um, just, you know, in 2020. And I've been okay. working here ever since. What was it like sort of being pulled away from academia to, you know, the private sector? Um, you know, <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, and I'm laughing because I, I think I'm... I, my my colleagues would probably tell you that I'm not a perfect fit in academia, um, and uh, I you know I just uh, I'm always attracted to what's going on outside the university, and so really since the beginning of my career I've always been heavily uh, like implicated or involved in projects in the private sector, um, and so I, I love academia, I love teaching, I love research. Um, there was wonderful people in academia, but. Uh, I, I, ironically, when I, people are surprised when I say this, but I find that I learn much more outside of academia and I'm really me. I'm just, I love learning. And so I'm like, I'm addicted to learning. And so it was, and I find people in the private sector, it's like, you know, it's intense. You have this, you're competing to stay alive and, and to grow and to prosper and there's technology is changing so quickly. Um, it's just a very enriching environment to learn and grow personally. Uh, Talk a little bit more about that, because when I talk to other people that are more on the research side of things, you know, it's always it's always the greater good. Like, think of what the next step of this technology will be or this finding. Whereas when you're in the private sector, it's like, all right, now, how do we monetize it? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I'll push back on that a little bit, because um, I think I think basic research is really important. Um, uh, The problem is what happens is as researchers it's hard not to be grounded in reality. Like I'm, I, I'll tell you a story about I was working with a robotics uh, on a robotics project a few years back, and we were designing basically an automated vertical farm machine for automated vertical farm. And my colleague, uh, someone I was collaborating, an engineer, um, academic, and uh, I asked him, "Okay, this is really great. This this thing we're designing here. Um, how much would it cost at if we we mass produced it?" And he's like, why are you asking that? And I'm like, well, because I, I want to know like how much, if we're actually selling and producing lots of it, how much would it cost? He's like, I, I don't, I don't understand why you're asking that question. I'm like, because I, well, the less the, I, I want to see if it's at a price point where it'll be profitable for people to use. He's like, oh, I get it. He's like, it's funny. I don't, he's like, I just don't think like that because usually we want to buy the most expensive piece of equipment because then we can use it for lots of things. Oh, gotcha. which is there's nothing wrong with that. That's just like as a researcher, you're you have a different agenda. You have a different set of incentives that are mm-hmm. you're that you're facing. And so um, so I that's why I like the combination. I think there's a lot of advantages and you get access to a lot of information resources in the university. But if you're at the same time, if I'm not somehow grounded, I'm not connected with what's actually going on in industry. Um, it's hard to stay aligned. It's hard to stay focused on what things actually create value for people. That's mm-hmm. why I like, I could, I less why I kind of like the combination of both. Okay. So tell me uh, a little bit about Volt Server, particularly I'm unfamiliar with the term digital electricity. So I'd like to learn a little bit more about that as well as what the company, what the company offers. You know, it's, it's, it's a new term. It's a, it's a, um, I'm, I'm debating about where to start here. It's, Okay. Well, so, well, what Bold Server does is we produce equipment and software 
that dramatically reduces the cost, danger, and time associated with installing and maintaining power systems, like electrical mm-hmm. systems. Um, and the reason, the thing that makes power systems costly is the same thing that makes them dangerous. Electricity is dangerous. Um, in like electrical code, they divide uh, power systems into two categories, uh, like low power um, power systems and high power power systems. Um, high power power systems are the things we use to like power um, to stay in sort of an agricultural context, like a thousand watt LED. Um, the low power power system is what we use to like charge our phone. Like we connect a USB cable to our computer and we, and we charge our phone. The advantage of the high power system is I can power big, powerful equipment, right? The disadvantage is that um, the practices and equipment you need to install that power um, is expensive. You need conduit. Um, electricians spend most of their time just bending conduit and pushing wire through conduit to protect people from that electricity. You have, you have breakers, you have uh, you know, arc uh, uh, fault uh, equipment, you have like, you know, there's all this different array of equipment I need to keep me separate, distance people, keep people away and protected from electricity. Um, low power power systems are great because they're fast. It's like, I can just connect my phone and here we go. Um, but I can't power uh, a greenhouse fan, right? So what the founder of Volt Server invented was a fundamentally new type of electricity. It was a, it was a new, the first innovation um, to electricity since the current wars, like 150 years ago between Tesla and Edison. What right. he invented, it's called digital electricity, and I'll explain why it's called digital electricity. But to see the benefit, what it does is it has the characteristics of high-powered um, high-powered electricity because I can power high-powered devices. Um, but because it's fundamentally safe, it's safe, I can use the same wiring methods and installation methods that we use for low-power systems, like that we use for Ethernet cable. Um, and that is phenomenal because essentially what it is, is high-voltage electricity you can touch. Wow. Um, like I'll give you a quick example. This like the, when the founder created the company, he was raising money, um, he created this video of like, all these lights he was powering with the electricity. Um, and he was powering one, one set of lights with normal electricity, another set of lights with digital electricity. He first took, and he had this exposed copper pad. Mm. Um, and the first thing he did is he took like this cable and he put it on the exposed copper pad and you could see the, like it burning and melting. It was really dangerous that, with the traditional AC power. And then he takes a bottle of water and he sprays himself down. He's totally soaked wet and he goes and he puts his hand on the exposed copper that's, that's conducting the digital electricity. And the only thing that happens, the lights go off, Mm. you know? And so that's, what's, that's, what's the, the fundamental innovation is, is creating a new type of electricity that can power high voltage, like high powered devices. Um, But I can use, because it's safe, it's been classified as a low power system. Um, It, I can use the same wiring methods that I use for Ethernet cable. So did you say that you helped write the white paper that went on to the company's founding? No, I didn't. I did. We've done some research together. Okay. We did a lot of energy research together. Um, and I, I recently wrote a white paper that, that did it was like a detailed analysis. We actually hired a company to analysis, analyze the cost of installing power to lights using um, digital electricity to like horticultural lights versus the cost 
of using traditional AC, and that's on our website. But I, I was not involved in the invention of this technology in any way. Okay. Now, when you're talking a new type of electricity, and you mentioned the current wars between Tesla and Edison, it got pretty heated. <laughs> so, um, you know, that is quite a market disruption. What kind of response are you, you know, seeing from the market? Heated. Yeah, <laughs> it's very heated. Uh, um, well, it's interesting where it depends who the, the audience is, right? If it's, you know, there's, if it's companies that are invested in AC power and they're some very big companies, it's extremely heated because it's threatening, right? Um, it's, if I'm talking to a grower or someone in the cannabis industry, it's disbelief. Um, and which makes total sense. I mean, you're in an industry that's has a history of kind of, of being sold a lot of snake oil, you know, mm-hmm. and suddenly I come and I'm like, Hey, you want to try this magical electricity? Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's a lot of skepticism. That's sort of our biggest, uh, obstacle right now is just, it's, it's just disbelief that we can actually do this. How do you overcome some of those misconceptions? Um, slowly and, and carefully, what we do is, you know, we're in a lot of, the benefit is it's like the comp for me, because I came in late, right? The company's been operating for about seven years. Um, I came in just a year and a half ago for ag, but the great thing for me is that there's this whole other part of the industry, other part of the company that has been working really hard over the last few years um, to penetrate the telecommunication and intelligent building industry. And so right now we're actually installed in a thousand large, around a thousand large venues. Um, we powered several, like the last five, I actually don't think I'm allowed to use a word, but the last five big super games, uh, big football games. <laughs> okay. um, we're at LAX, we're at big hotels in Las Vegas. Um, and so it's, it gets easier because I can say, Hey, listen, AT&T, you know, use as one of our customers, you know? Uh, and so I, that helps but still, and people are like, well, what have you done in agriculture? And of course, we're just starting in agriculture. We have some big installations in agriculture, but we're just starting. And so a lot of it is about education. Um, we'll, we'll, bring the, we'll bring the equipment to a company, let them use it, let them turn on lights, let them play with it. Um, and so a lot of, but you, you hit the nail right on the, on the head. It's like a lot of what we're doing is just building awareness about something people are not used to making a decision about. Like people are not used to making a decision about power. Right. No, that's like, uh, there's so many variables and that's like the one that's typically not a variable. It's like the grid. No. The grid. Yeah. Or AC or an electrician. It's like, I don't, you don't, they don't even, a lot of times we'll talk to like, in, again, in ag, I'll stick with the ag thing. We'll talk to a facility and um, they won't even know that how they, they like power distribution is easily it's either the first or close to the first biggest expense when you build a new facility mm-hmm. and a lot of people just don't even aren't even aware of that because maybe they buy a turnkey solution that they just build it and they don't see it's not broken out uh, or you know or they bought an existing facility or they just like they just look at the electrician they just take the electrician bill as like given they don't realize there's another option so they're you're not critical about it you just get multiple bids um but uh, but you know, increasingly that's what we're working on. We're working on that's like this white paper was just trying, I'm trying to help people understand no power is like maybe your most important decision for the first time you have a choice. Um, 
And we're just trying to get an opportunity to like demonstrate that choice to people. So if they choose digital electricity, what does that look like? Is it, do they, does it have to be at the beginning of like when they're building a cannabis facility, can they have an existing facility and then bring the power in? How does it work? Um, Ideally it's when it's a new build, like they're building a new room or they're building a new facility. Um, And the reason is if you've already installed AC, like the infrastructure, all the conduit, you've already done all that work. um, It's just redundant. Um, it's like, if you don't have to install new power, um, then we recommend just, just stick with what you're doing. Um, it's, uh, you know, what, what we do, what, like, basically what we're doing is, you know, like when you, it, you know, when you install a facility, when you build a facility, it's like, you get a transformer and then you're like, you're taking it, you're install like electricians installing all this conduit and bringing it to like these drivers on each individual led, um, and you know, about 80% of that work is just electrician labor bending conduit. That's mm-hmm. all your expense. Um, what we do is we basically drop these things like a, we call it transmitter cabinets, like these, these look like server cabinets in your electrical room. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, the, your electrician basically hooks a 480 volt feed to each of those cabinets. And then from there, it's 18 gauge cable that you're just, people are just pulling um, through communication tray or, you know, IT trays um, from the electrical room, like above the ceiling and dropping it into driverless LEDs in your grow space. And so what normally can take weeks or months and, be, and are getting, getting drawings, like designs, the electrical designs approved, inspections, stamps, getting electricians in there, um, install the conduit. Um, we, we, we avoid all those, most of those steps. Um, you depending on the, the location, most lo, most locations in in the United States and Canada, um, and we can do the same thing in a few days because they're just it's just like you're just pulling cable, you're just pulling eighteen gauge cable. Is part of the pushback that you know if something goes bad with the electric at our facility, I can call my electrician. You know, is part of it that you know it's proprietary, and so maybe you guys have to service any sort of maintenance issue. It's. Definitely part of it's about proprietary because of proprietary, but not because of service, because um, the nice, most people that use us like us because it gives them independence. Mm. Once you install our system, so easy to use that when you have a problem, you don't call an electrician, you fix it yourself. Most wow. um, that you basically, it's like if it's a very, like the power supplies that we use are the same power supplies that are there. We don't that are used in like 9-11 uh, call centers, right? I mean, we're not, those aren't our customers. I want to clarify that, but it's, uh, but it's the same power supply. And so they're, 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 they're five nines reliable, uh, like 99.999% reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's rarely problems, but if there are, if everything's hop swappable, you can like, I don't need to be certified labor to pull out one of these boxes, put a new one in and fix the connection. Okay, but um, the proprietary. I, I'll just to clarify: there is oh, a proprietary part that it's it's complicates it for people, and it is one of our major um, uh, obstacles in the market that we're we're going to slowly overcome. Is it's a new type of electricity? It's you can't just buy an LED off the shelf or fan off the shelf and plug it in. It there's there's um, not a lot of work, but there's work that needs to be done with the 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 vendor of the LED to make it compatible with digital electricity. Okay. So what is the ROI that people are looking at? Because it does sound, you know, it sounds like there are clear benefits to the tech, but you know, you have to go through some 
non-traditional routes to get there. Uh, what kind of ROI are people looking at? Day one. It's oh. uh, yeah. Day one. It's, it's cheaper, you know, yeah. especially for cannabis growers. Um, you save about $20 per square foot for a flower room. Like you save an enormous amount of money. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's, and it's, and that, that savings is based on lots of things. It's based on your, you have about 80% less labor to install it. Mm-hmm. Um, you remove the the drivers from the LEDs and that reduces the cost of the LED by about 25 to 30%. Um, there's a bunch of other benefits in terms of maintenance, reliability. There's the level of control you have over the, the lights is something that it's, it's extremely rare. It would be expensive to build with t- traditional AC systems. Um, so there's lots of other benefits. Like, like when we talk to big green, like uh, leafy green farms, Mm-hmm. Um, they would, they say, oh, we would buy you if it's just, if it was the same price because of all these benefits I haven't got into yet. But the, but the point is our value proposition is, is that we're cheaper, faster, safer, and just smarter the, the product than traditional AC systems. So part of the problem that I hear in the cannabis industry is that when it is a new build, uh, they can never get it done fast enough, you know, just because of all the permitting and uh, materials, especially with materials shortages now, you know, is this because it's so new? Does it add a little bit of time in terms of uh, bringing a new facility online or is it actually, you know, shorter because you're not bending the conduit and all the other traditional uh, things that you do with electricity? It's much faster. Yeah. It's much faster. It's days compared to compared to weeks or months of work. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's, I, you know, it's, it's, it's not, that's one of our, it's interesting you bring that up. And we ha- I always had this feeling that that would be what got growers excited was because yeah. you could, you could build a room in a few days compared to like, you don't like those inspections you're talking about uh, yeah. with traditional electricity, you need it, but with ours, you don't. Um, yeah. And so, but it's, it's, Growers typically, I, I I don't get when I talk about that benefit of like the speed to market. It's not what gets them going. I don't know why. I'm really surprised because that it would be the most value, especially in this market that's growing so fast, and then prices come down so fast. Really, speed to market is incredibly valuable, um, and that is one of our major benefits. But interestingly enough, I don't emphasize it as much as I thought I would because I just don't see. I think people are like they're so. There's so much to wrap their minds around that they they that's not what they focus on, but what, it is a big benefit. What do they focus on? Is it the day one ROI? Yeah, they want to know how what's the cost relative to uh, AC power? Like, yeah. how much does that cost? You know, um, you just mentioned that there are so many other benefits uh, to digital like electricity. What are some of the other ones that uh, we haven't covered yet? Um, if you know. You, you know, and with it, we're also what's called a line powering technology. Mm-hmm. And I kind of explained to what that is a second ago, but it's, it's like we take, like right now, say you have like 6,000 lights in a facility, mm-hmm. 6,000 LEDs. Traditionally, what you would have is you'd have a, a power supply or driver on every one of those LEDs. Um, and so one of the benefits, and this is not unique to us, there's other companies that do this, our, our line, um, line powering systems. Um, but what we do is we we centralize all those drivers. We take those six thousand drivers and we replace them with say a thousand bigger drivers, um, and we put them in a gross in, in a controlled environment like an electrical room. 
Um, so now you have a system, not only have you re now reduced the cost of the LED, but now you've made a much more reliable system because those wet environments, cultivation rooms are not great for equipment, especially if you're a greenhouse, you know? Right. Um, and so you're moving all that stuff and you're replacing it with like more reliable centralized drivers in a nicer environment. And so you just have higher reliability. Like one of the big plagues right now in the industry is just LEDs failing because of driver failures. Um, mm. And so we, we, we directly address that. And you said, and you said you addressed that directly with the LED manufacturer, right? So yes. Okay. Yeah. We work with the LED manufacturer, either a company says, we want you to work with this LED manufacturer, or we build a relationship with them independently. Um, and we, we show them how to design and, uh, an LED, a digital electricity LED, which is basically they're removing the driver and changing the forward voltage on the LED. It's not a huge lift, um, but you have to convince them that it's worth it. Everyone's busy. Everyone has engineer like engineering constraints. And mm -hmm. so you have to show that there's a big value for the customer, but we are having success convincing um, good companies to do that. Do you have any competitors? We do not. I mean, we do. I shouldn't say that. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. I teach entrepreneurship and you should never say you don't have competitors because our competitor is AC. Okay. You know, it's just yeah. the status quo. There are companies out there um, that are, like I said, there's other co competitors out there that are come um, inline or line powering systems um, where they basically centralize DC power supplies and, and deliver the power to driverless LEDs. Um, and there's a benefit to that. The problem is that it's really dangerous, you know, direct mm -hmm. like DC power, high voltage DC without safety like features. Um, you can, you can weld, we take one of those cut one of those cables, you can weld with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you, you get the benefits of removing the drivers from a growth space. Um, but the cost of installation is going to be higher than traditional electricity because you need more expensive, um, like installation methods and, and equipment to, to make DC power safe. So we're often confused with, with those systems, but we don't, the bigger competitor to us is just the status quo. It's just convincing people to not use AC anymore. You talk about stadiums and companies with 6,000 light or LED lights. Um, do you primarily work with larger clients or do you work with mom and pops as well? Um, I, like ag, we've worked with some small clients, um, mostly because we're trying to get into uh, the industry and learn. And so some, like we have like some, some of our smaller customers have been really helpful in just helping us learn and improve the product. It's we've, so it's, it's scalable. Um, so, but it's, there's a benefit to being a large company because the, just the benefit is if you have a desire to use a specific led, it's much easier to convince, um, an OEM, to change their LED or, or another or an LED producer change their LED if you're a big company. Mm -hmm. And one of the trends we're seeing, um, especially in the leafy green side of the market, is that these companies are basically becoming their own LED producers. Um, they go to they they have a specific needs in terms of they want an LED that's kind of customized for their facility design. Um, that's another trend I'm, we're seeing is that um, that that there's this trend for customization of LEDs. Um, and so these companies, so going to, they, they go, they design themselves, they go to a contract manufacturer and they get their own LED produced. Um, and so for us, if they believe in digital electricity, it's really easy for them 
to implement it because they just tell their contract manufacturer, here are the specs for the LED. And so we do work. There's nothing stopping us from working with smaller customers. It's sometimes easier for larger customers to work with us because it's easier for them to influence the LED companies. But we do have partnerships with LED companies that would gladly sell to a, to a, a smaller company. What are some of these things that you've learned from some of your early partners in the cannabis business? Um, you know, su- there's surprising values that they have. Like uh, the, I have to be careful because I don't know if, but I'll tell you like the, the value of space. Like, of course, mm-hmm. vertical space is valuable, mm-hmm. um, but the, how valuable it is and why what is what I've it's been surprising. Um, like if you have a, if you're building like 30 levels high, right. Um, say it's leafy green, you're going 30 levels high. Um, that little space allows you to add, if you remove the driver, that little space allows you to either add more levels. But what I'm, what I learned was that what they, the reason they want that little space is not necessarily for more levels is for better airflow. They want more yeah. homogenous airflow. Um, they, they care a lot about safety. When I first started in this industry, when in bolt server, I just, because I came from a indoor farm, I was like, I don't know. I don't, people don't talk about safety. We just didn't, we, we were safe, but we didn't worry about drivers and wet environments. Um, but these large companies, like really large companies that are, that they're, they're kind of aware of liability issues. And they, and I think they just care a lot about their employees. And they think about all these employees in a wet environment um, with these high voltage drivers and a wet table right next to them. And it freaks them out. Um, but in order to make it safe to add like GFCI breakers, it's also unaffordable. It it breaks the model. They're just, it's so expensive and so difficult to run one of those farms profitably to make it safe, um, or safer, um, is, is challenging for them. And so the emphasis on safety, it has been, has been really surprising and independence, Mm -hmm. like the fact that they just don't want to wait to call. They would like to, they would like to be able to manage their electrical system themselves once they do that once like once we install digital electricity and now they they're independent they can literally manage their electrical system themselves um that level of independence becomes really important to them oh last thing i'm sorry the monitoring we like because we like i said we have salt we can we can control every individual led individually just because that's part of the safety it's like in order to provide that safety we basically are monitoring we're just as monitoring that's going on the line but a product of that is that byproduct of that is that we now can control and monitor every individual LED. And so if an LED goes out, you get a notification, you get an email says, Hey, this LED is out. And that turns out for really big farms that can't see their, their lights. Um, that becomes an important value for them also. I know I have to, just from a maintenance standpoint, uh, and like, and not necessarily downtime, but, uh, to get an alert right away, that's sort of a big part of the maintenance industry right now. That's right. That's right. It, is there a way to do predictive maintenance as, a, as well as the monitoring where you can tell that an LED is kind of, or a light's going bad? Yes. Yes. We can see that months in advance. We can start seeing if like, if there's like a, like there's some sort of degradation on the line, we can start, we can actually, we don't, you know, it's, it's funny. We can do that. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny. It's just interesting you say that because I think about that a lot. Exactly like predictive maintenance, but yes, there we do have this cap- capability of monitoring. We can predict faults months in advance. So, is it the individual client doing the monitoring, or do you have uh, a level of monitor- monitoring on your end as well, where you can kind of ping them and just be like, "Hey, 
heads up, you're about to, or you are having a problem right in this area. Yeah. Both of us. Yeah. If, as long as they're willing to have like allow us to monitor. Um, and they usually do because we also, we do software updates. Um, but that's often what happens at three in the morning. And our, our staff is crazy. Like the people I work with are just magnificent and so devoted, but they'll get a, an alert three in the morning and they'll call the grower immediately, let them know that something's gone, gone wrong. Something's up with their room. Sometimes it has nothing to do with us. It might just, but we sometimes will have sensors in the room. We'll see something to do with the heat, change the room or the power will, they'll have a storm and the power will go out and we'll let them know. In the U S have you had, are there areas of the U S that have been more receptive to the technology or is it like, are you seeing more reception in um, more mature markets or in states that have recently come online, you know, where people are kind of trying to figure it out as they go? That's another excellent question. Um, I, I think that it's more about the profile of the grower on um, the company. And I shouldn't say the grower because it's actually the, the people were that are most receptive, the engineers, the facility managers. Um, and um, for companies that have like built facilities before and operated them for a long time. And so they're aware of the challenges associated with electricity and electricity quality. It's something we didn't get into, but um, uh, they're very receptive. Um, they get it right away. Uh, like they'll like one of the, you know, if you have a lot of lights, something called inrush control is really important. And you rarely hear, new companies talk about this, but you know, if you have a huge facility, you turn the power on, you can blow out like half of your LEDs. Um, and so in rush control, something we do naturally, again, it's like we provide in rush control. We, we dramatically reduce total, total harmonic distortion. And so that, which reduces your electric, electrical bill. Um, and, uh, and so there is so, but having an awareness of that really takes experience with installing and managing, um, electrical systems. And so I think it's more the profile of the grower um, that's important. Are there more aspects of electricity quality that you want to get into that we haven't covered um, in terms of what you said uh, regarding inrush? Yeah, you know, but I shouldn't. <laughs> okay. I should, I really want to get into it. Uh, okay. But the only reason I say should it's because, you know, there's, there's going to be some engineer where there's like engineers and, and I shouldn't talk about it because I'm going to make it, we're really actually a really conservative company about messaging. And mm -hmm. so if I say something that's not exactly right, but I'll just say that we, we eliminate uh, or dramatically reduce total harmonic distortion. We do inrush control. Um, we're, we're transmitting high voltage electricity. So there's some efficiency gains. There's, there's a lots of advantages with, with distributing power this way. Um, but that, that you can talk to someone else in the company that's smarter than I am. Okay. Um, you know, you talk about working with engineers and I feel like, there's a part of an, an of an engineer because I've worked with engineers. I have engineers in the family. There's got to be a part of that engineer that feels threatened, but then there's the part of the engineer that is excited because it's a better way of doing things. And there's kind of a little conflict there. Yeah, yeah. I think once they start working with it, like this is what the most common thing I hear from engineers because they they once they start working with it, and they start because a lot of them do electrical work at their house. And then they go to their house and they're like, God, this is so archaic. Like yeah. AC is so archaic and like, um, and it's so dangerous. And so I think that's what happens is they don't get it. Then they start working within the company and then they go work on traditional AC somewhere else. And they're like, what the heck is this? This is so, it really is 150 years old. Mm. 
So, I mean, the other than Edison, you know, Tesla to reinvent electricity, he was a rather eccentric personality. Uh, is that how you would describe the inventor of this? <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he is a little, he's funny. You know, he's just, he, what I know, the thing I say about him is given all the stress this guy's under, he's extremely relaxed. He yeah. just has everything perspective. And he says, you know, I get that from, you know, my experience in the, in the air force, he used to work on like nuclear, nuclear bombers. And he's yeah. like, in, the, in that environment, he's like, it's always like the world, they're constantly tricking you the military that there's a war today. There's a war today. He's like, you know, after that, everything seems relaxed. It's everything's manageable. And so he is eccentric. Um, he can be really stubborn, um, but he's a, uh, but he's, uh, but generally he's just like, he's a very pleasurable person to be around. So are you, uh, are you based in Quebec? Yes, I am Quebec city. The company's in East Greenwich, but in Rhode Island, but I'm in Quebec city. How did you find your way from, was it UC Davis to, uh, Quebec city? Yeah, it's my wife. My wife was studying at UC Davis and she's from, from Quebec. And so we met um, in California and we moved around. I went to Arizona State University and then we went to Rutgers. Um, but, but then she got an offer of Laval University. She's also an academic. Um, mm-hmm. And so that and we just had a baby. And so we she has like five, like, I don't know if you know anything about Quebec, um, but as a Catholic tradition. And so every family has like 10,000 members. And so, <laughs> it, you know, it was just a really nice place to raise kids. Very good. Um, how did, let me ask you a question. How did you get, how did you get here? Like, how did you get to the, this podcast? So, uh, so I have a, a professional writing background and I've worked in trade publishing for more than 50 years, primarily in design engineering and manufacturing. And I was, I started covering the industry as part of our food manufacturing coverage. Um, I started going to trade shows and I really loved people's passion and kind of ingenuity. But there, at the same time, there was this, uh, un, I don't want to say lawlessness, but I, uh, what really started this idea was I talked to somebody on a trade show floor and he was talking about how he created products that he used for sorting because he bought a motor out of a Granger catalog and attached that to a colander. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know that like industries have been around for hundreds of years specifically to do that. And um, so that's kind of how... And, uh, on a personal level, I've seen the positive effects that cannabis can have on people that are um, suffering from various ailments, both from the cancer side of things, as well as the anxiety side of things. And, um, you know, I wanted to kind of take my passion for that and bring it to the industry to kind of help people, you know, un- provide another avenue for information. Yeah. I, and I think it's really needed. Um, yeah. Like, because there's, like you said, it's kind of the wild west when a market's growing this fast, it sucks in people and companies from everywhere. And it's, there's a lot of information problems. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually it, like these, these services like you're doing here that actually help people kind of sort through it. And you're interviewing great people like Mitch Galton is like, he's one of the most highly respected people in this industry. You know um, it's, I think it's a very useful um, service you're providing. No, thank you. I appreciate it. It's, you know, uh, I definitely have brown thumbs. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, uh, my wife and I have tried our hands at gardening plenty of times and it just does not go well. So I'm like, I'll do it with words. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you did well. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, I wanted, so I also wanted to ask you about, you know, you came from controlled environments. Did you, 
as you're working on entire indoor farms, did you ever think that, you know, electricity was going to wind up being your thing? Um, no, uh, I thought automation would be my thing. Um, okay. I, I had worked in a lot of, on a lot of research related to energy, um, related to batteries, power storage, and, um, and like different bioenergies. And, uh, but, uh, I never thought I really had a skill set, and I was I was always interested in design. Like how how do you move things around? How do you let, reduce labor? How do you, um, you know, one thing that really fascinates me, and I think this is underappreciated in the industry, but I could be totally wrong. It's like we just moved, you know, an indoor farm. The reason it uses so much electricity, right? It's it's really the electricity play. It's because you're basically trying to replace all the sun even more, significantly more light with electric lighting and climate control. Um, but, but that creates all these opportunities, right? It's like we could do it totally differently. It's like we're not outdoors anymore. And most people still grow kind of like the same using the same methods that we use outdoors, but something's changed, right? I don't even know what it is, but that's what I thought. I was really focused a lot trying to figure out what new opportunities does this growing in a controlled environment create? Um, and like, like, how can we exploit them? Um, so I really thought I was going to move towards, uh, automation. Um, but then I just had, I got an opportunity to work here and, you know, it's just, you know, how do you, it's like high voltage electricity is safe to touch. It's like the possibilities seem endless. And so I was like, yes, let's do it. So do you guys do a lot of outreach via trade shows or, um, have you seen success with that? We just started. We, um, you know, I, I, I'll give you an, I'm, like I said, I'm kind of an entrepreneurship professor is what I teach. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I like, I, I, I don't, I like to let people know that it's hard, right? Because a lot of times <laughs> yeah. you you talk to companies like, oh, everything's going great. We're making so much money. It's awesome. We have so many customers. And I'm like, yeah, we're doing okay. But man, it is hard. Um, yeah. and, you know, and uh, it's sort of the last, like we, I started about a year and a half when we started kind of to address this segment, this agriculture segment. Um, and we've just, we've had just learned so much. Like our first business model was just totally wrong. It wasn't wrong, but it was just like, it wasn't actually, it was right for a period of time, but then we needed to change it. Um, and so we changed it, but it took us like, it took us a long time to do that learning. And we had a lot of bumps. Um, and so really even just the way we talk to people, like you're asking what's important, what do growers care about? We are just learning this and learning exactly what the economics are. It takes a long time to get for customers to share that data with you. Um, and so really our marketing is just starting. We just did our first trade show um, okay. at the MJ Biz, or it was actually mm-hmm. second, our first major trade show. Um, and so we're just, we just actually put up a kind of real website. That's not that, you know, it's fine for now. And um, we're just getting assets out there, trade at, uh, marketing assets. And so um, it's, so it's going well, where we, you know, it's, it's a great thing to talk about. Our advantage is no one has ever heard of it before. And so we, we go to a conference and people are like, you're the coolest thing in this place, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I love that. It's so fun. Um, so I think we, where we have that advantage of telling a new story. Um, but you're also trying to like, our, like I said, our competitor is an infrastructure that's been here for 150 years. Right. And it's like, it is really, it is, a, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's like, we are going to go after little pieces of different segments and gradually build. Um, and so we're, it's, it's a long-term play that we're, we're, we're set, set in to like go after. 
What was that original business model? Um, we originally partnered with a lighting company and we had mm -hmm. one light, you know, and it made sense because we needed an end to end solution. Right. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, what are you selling? And we just thought we kind of overestimated how hard it would be to convince lighting companies to work with us. Um, so at the beginning, we produced our own light. And so we would go to growers and be like, we have this whole system, including this light. And the light is great. We still use it. I mean, we don't sell it directly anymore, but we still refer customers to it. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, you probably know in the industry, there's a couple of things about lighting. First, people are religious about lighting. Mm -hmm. um, like they're very like picky. Like you can't just give them a light. They have a, <laughs> they all want their special little spectrum and design and first, you know, and so uh we alienated a, a, a like an important ecosystem member, which are the LED companies, because now they looked at us like we're a competitor. Right. Um, and it's in LED, and we didn't, you don't want to be in the LED industry. I mean, we don't want to be in the LED industry because it's incredibly competitive and it's like, it, it's specialized knowledge. Um, and so that was the biggest lesson we learned was probably that is that we, we just want to, like our VP of sales says, we, you know, we're building a gun and we want to work for all bullets. Um, and that mentality is like, it's kind of, that has made things a lot easier for us. And now we have LED companies that are actually helping us find customers because, you know, we're, we're their partner, not their competitor. You're still teaching part-time. How, how often are you just running back what happened at work, you know, in terms of an entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur class, just like, all right, never saw this one coming. <laughs> <laughs> totally every day. Every class, not every day, but every class, it's, I, sometimes I feel bad about it because I feel like I'm always talking about this, my experience, but 100% where I talk about like the importance of leadership or the importance of defining a segment and, or, and having deep building empathy for customers. I can, I have a, of a, a million experiences that I can tap into now. And it's made me a much better teacher and that I'm really thankful for that. Well, that's awesome, man. I, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Is there, before we get out of here, is there anything that we might've left out or anything in particular you want to make sure the CEN audience knows about uh, Vault Server? No, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, I wish I had prepared something for that, but no, I, you know, I contact us and it's like, I would love, you know, even, you know, I've been helping growers for a long time. And so, you know, we have a great team and we're happy just to like chew the fat with you. And, you know, and if you want to learn more, we have a white paper that actually gives a lot more detail and we have installation videos so you can wrap your minds around it. Um, but if someone wants to actually understand how digital electricity, just they want to understand how it works, mm. you know, send me an email. And I'll, I'll send you an analogy. I have a really great like water pipe analogy to explain how we actually produce safe electricity. <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, well, James, thank, thanks again very much for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. Anytime, David. It was really fun. Look forward to talking to you in the future. Well, thank you again, Professor. I really do appreciate the time and insight into the industry. Now, before we get out of here, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also help us out a lot by leaving the podcast a positive review. Finally, if you want to reach the podcast, you can reach me at david at CannabisEquipmentNews.com. All right, for James Eves, I'm David Manti. This is the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast.